The next one we're going to do, if I can get my tongue to work right, <laughs> is uh, one that we wrote a few years ago, and it's, I was in my Bible one day reading in Psalms, and in Psalm 42, verse 8, it says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. And that's what inspired me to write this song. When I can't find a reason to keep breathing When I've convinced myself that nothing will ever change When the enemy of my mind has come against me And I'm so weak When I can't see the hope through all the pain when the sunshine is gone and I'm drenched from the rain. Whoa. God, help me to know that I'm enough. Help me to look beyond the rough path ahead. Because I know that you are holding me. And I know that you carry me. And yours is the only strength. That I will ever need Oh, help me to see When the voices in my head 
sounds so strong when I'm up against the wall and I feel so small when the words they say knock me down and I can't find my feet when I can't find a reason to keep believing I'll keep believing oh help me to know that I
Sister Lauren is here, so I'm so sorry. Y'all have to listen to this. <laughs> to me singing. But, um, uh, the song we're going to do is, um, I wrote it several years ago. And I didn't really know what to title it, so I just called it My Love Song to Jesus. And um, it just tells everything he is to me and to all of us. Um, when we break, he's our healer. And when we fear, he's our rest. Um, he's our strong tower. He's he's everything. And so, um, if for some reason, if you're here this morning and you don't know him, then I would like to encourage you to, you know, to get to know him a little bit. He's he's pretty he's pretty cool. <laughs> when I break, you're my healer. And when I fear, you're my rest. When I run, you're my strong tower, a gentle voice that guides my step. And the sweetest love I ever take. Sweetest love I ever tasted 
got one more left for you um, and you'll probably all know it so sing it with us it's uh, come thou fount Amen. Y'all give them one more hand there. Appreciate them. Praise the Lord. I'll take that over the gate. 
grateful for them because they'd, they'd come to our town at least. Praise the Lord for them. Grateful. Grateful. Uh, anniversaries are such a sweet time, uh, whether it's wedding anniversaries, church anniversaries, homecomings, whatever you want to call it. 50 years, I don't know if you know that. That's a long time. That's, yeah, some of y'all thinking back, it don't seem like long, maybe, but it is. 50 years is a long time. To be honest with you, there's many churches that never make it past five years. The average church plant doesn't make it past five years, let alone 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, all others, right? I don't want to get stuck here. I'm out of fingers and toes, but 50 years is a long time. And we can look back and see many things. There's been many triumphs and victories. It's even in the name, Victory Way, isn't it, right? There's been many hardships. There's been a lot of hurt. And that goes with the territory of being around people. It goes with the territory of being sinners. Saved by grace, praise the Lord, though. And as we've heard this morning, as we've sung this morning, we want to thank God that though there's much change, though there's much difficulty and adversity, that God remains God. That He remains faithful and true and good and kind and patient to His people to allow 50 years of His church, by the way, no one else's. This is His church. And by God's grace, we'll see another 50. Amen. This morning, before we get started, sort of by way of introduction, I would like, uh, as I sort of uh, name, not necessarily by names, but sort of name your group that you're with here. we got a few groups here. Uh, if you were here and attended, not here, but attended just down the road at the Red Barn, where the church first started. Would you please stand and, and stay standing? If you, if you started off at the Red Barn, if you attended, praise the Lord. Y'all stay standing. Y'all stay standing. All right, now stand with those folks if you ever went to the white church, a little white chapel there. The next, that was the next building, in case you were wondering. All right, a couple others got added there. Praise the Lord for you. Y'all stay standing. All right, here's this next group. If you're here today, would you stand? I'm serious. Y'all stand with me. Hey, I want you to know every person in this place, you have a place in the history of Victory Way Baptist Church. You have a place in the hands and feet of Christ in this town. This town might not be big. This church might not be big, but we serve a God who's awfully big, who is able to do great and mighty and abundant things. May we look to Christ and Christ alone, and may He continue to build His church. You may be seated. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. Hebrews chapter 13. I count it a privilege and an honor to be able to preach the Word of God this morning. The very fact that we can know God, worship Him, to experience His presence, to know that He hears our prayers, to be able to have His Word in front of us today. It is a wonderful thing to know that I, I get to be number five or so of, of pastors who have preached the word of God faithfully through many trials and, and adversities and through many ups and downs to see the very fact that God in his providence and in his graciousness has allowed this church to see today. Also, we could hear some singing gather together today. And I want you to know next week's an anniversary too, 50 years in a week. And I hope you can come then too. Every time we can walk through these doors, it is a celebration. Not a celebration of our history or a celebration of what we've done or accomplished, for we are nothing, but it is a celebration of who God is, what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will continue to do. Because though times change, those people come and go and pastors come and go, though there are difficulties, and, and though the church today does not look like what it looked like two years ago, let alone a month ago, or, or let alone back in the little red barn, God doesn't change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. This is our passage today. and It's very critical and key for all of us today. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. Jesus Christ. That's the message. That's the church. That's everything. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Let me read that one more time. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, we want to thank You for this morning, God. We're so grateful that we could worship You. Lord, church ought to be just a glimpse of heaven. Lord, what a day that's going to be, Lord. An eternal day to be with You. Lord, it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be dreadful, Lord. It's going to be the most marvelous thing that our minds can't wrap our brains around, Lord. 
But God, we, we know this. We know that right now You're very much with us. We know that Your Word is about to be proclaimed. And Lord, it's been read. And we are grateful for the fact that You've given us Your Word to reveal Yourself to us. We thank You for the songs that have been sung for the faithfulness over 50 years. Lord, not just to the people of Victory Way, God, because we've, we can be so faithless, Lord, and unfaithful to You. But God, in 50 years, what we find is Your faithfulness. Help us to see today Christ. Show us Him, Lord, today. I pray if there's one who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that You would open up their hearts their minds, their eyes, or that they might see Christ, that they might repent and believe the Gospel today. Lord, if there's one who's grown cold or weary or tired, Lord, that they might do the same thing and just simply come to Christ and find life. Life of abundance. Not earthly abundance, but Lord, abundant life that You give through the power of Your Spirit, through the preaching of Your Word, through the gathering of Your saints. God, we thank You for this time. Guard my heart, my mind. Guard each one of us today, Lord, that You would meet with us, Lord, through Your Word and that You would accomplish what You set forth in Jesus' name. Amen. One who lives in the past has no future because he fails to live in the present. I love anniversaries and homecomings and things because we can look back and it's good to see faces that you might not have seen in years. And praise God, it's ha- I'm happy to meet you. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're here today in the present. I'm thankful that you've been here in the past. I'm thankful that you're here today. I hope you come back in the future. Nevertheless, I know this, the future might not ever come. We don't know that we've got next Sunday to celebrate our other anniversary without the special singing and chicken and stuff, but we'll still celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness anyways. But I do know this, that we have today, we have right now. This is very important for us to wrap our brains around, to see, to focus on this, because we think in different sections of life. The older you get, the less about the future you tend to think, you start to think about the good old days. And when you're young and you're spry and you're full of energy, you, you only think about the future and you only think about the, the, all this stuff and you're running a thousand miles an hour that you still fail to miss the present. God has given us right now. And though our ups, our downs are always there through the past, through the right now and into the future, we know that God remains changeless. We serve the changeless Christ today. From our past, we are to to know our past. I believe it's important to know where we come from, to know the foundations, the roots of of not just our church, but our family, our our lives. It is important for us to look at our past and to learn from it because we can learn from triumphs, but we learn even more from failures, don't we? Those failures happen for a reason. They happen to allow us to learn. I believe it's important for us to honor our past as well. And I thank God for the past 50 years of Victory Way. But I praise the Lord now as we look at the future. We, we want to pray about the future. We, we want to pray that God would direct us and that we wouldn't take a step unless He tells us to take a step. They wouldn't speak a word unless He tells us to speak a word. That we would be obedient to Him. We want to plan for the future. Whatever that might hold in our plans as we've discovered the past few years, you can make plans in this world and it don't always work out, does it? God's plans don't change. God's plans remain the same because He remains the same. And when we look at the present, you say, well, what do we do now? we got the past behind us, we got the future ahead of us, and we don't even know what that looks like. We know what that looks like. But what about today? Today we must learn to simply trust, surrender to Christ, put our faith in Him alone. Through uncertainty and change, Christ remains certain and changeless. He is our message. He is our methods. He is our mission. He is everything because this church is His. We belong to Christ. The unchanging grace of God, truth of God, and will of God is that we would be able to use our past to strengthen our present and to prepare us for the future. Do not think that we should separate past, present, and future so much to where, well, that's just gone. And Yes, it might be, but it's there for a reason. That we look back at 50 years so that we can look forward to the next five minutes. That we can be prepared for the next 50 years. And and whether you're all here or not, praise the Lord if you are, right? Amen. We're going to do some serious celebrating, aren't we? Nevertheless, Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. As we often look at Hebrews 13, verse 8 often stands just boldly out 
not just in front of this passage in, in this chapter, but throughout the whole book and really throughout the Bible, most of us have this because we have comfort in knowing that Christ remains the same. And it should bring us comfort because the same Jesus who bled and died and rose again to offer us eternal life, to offer us forgiveness, remains the same. Yesterday, in the past, today, that's right now, and in the future, that's forever and forever. He is from everlasting to everlasting. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. That's who Christ is. And He's never changed. He's never deviated from it. He's never gone to the right, to the left. Jesus is Christ the Lord, the King of glory. Now in this passage, this verse stands out. Many times people look and go, this doesn't even belong there. This belongs to its own self. Well, let's look at the context here to help us out a little bit this morning before we really get into the message. Here, let's look at verse 9. Here the author of Hebrews tells us, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have, not, that have been occupied therein. There is a concern over being carried about with false teachings. And false teaching comes in a variety of ways. It comes in traditionalism. It comes in things that aren't Bible-based. It comes into things that are man-made, that often become pharisaical. It is, it is ungodly, just as ungodly as the worldly sin, because it itself can be sinful. But then there's another side as well, and it can be the draw of emotionalism. We love to get riled up about certain things because we're often carried about and controlled by our emotions, but we should be able to have our emotions controlled. The Spirit-filled believer, which should be the normal Christian life, should be able to, and by only through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, able to put our emotions in check. You say, well, should we be emotionless beings? No, rather we are created to have emotions, but our emotions should be spurned from the truth. When the Word of God is presented and preached and known and taught and learned and meditated upon, that should draw us to a place of not just emotional highs that we should be seeking, but it should lead us to a place where our emotions are underchecked by the truth of God. We're not so carried about. You can look back at 50 years and see many who unfortunately have been carried about. Many throughout this world that have been carried about. And if we get outside of the Word of God, we'll be outside of the will of God, and you and I too will be carried about. Verse 7 Right before verse 8, you guessed. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Godly teachers paved the way in the past. And I thank God for the godly preachers and men of God, women of God, who have done a great work of God here to get us to where we are today. Thank God for them. But then, verse 8, we find this great truth, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever through culture and through church and through Christians, through the much change that we find and see, especially the past couple of years, let's be honest, Christ does not change. He is who He is, and thank God for such. Then we find in verses 9-12, through 12, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace. And down in verse 10, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin and burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered without the gate. We find the grace of the Gospel of Jesus Christ is absolutely central and changeless. Jesus has been preached from the very beginning of this book to the very end of this book. The importance of of the Gospel is this, that it is all of our salvation is based upon the Gospel. We have no salvation without the Gospel. We have no sanctification without the Gospel. We have no glorification without the Gospel. We have no life without the Gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection is the most central theme of all the Scripture, of all of human history, of our life and the life of every church, of every believer. It must be. But what we find that the Gospel is not just a this, this, and this, but it's about who it's about. It is the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That He is the promise and provision of God. He is the fulfillment of the Word of God to do the work of God, to bring us and to reconcile us unto God. He is the God-man, God in the flesh. He perfectly represented God there on that cross and perfectly represented man because He is God and He was perfectly in the flesh. Without sin, tempted like we were, yet without sin. Not only that He did not sin, but He would not, could not sin. And He did so to be a pure sacrifice, not just to be someone who would come down and, and maybe offer some other way, but He is the way, the truth, and the life. Outside of Christ, there is no salvation. There is no life. 
Then verses 13 and 14, he says, Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Some morning you'll find me touring that city, won't you? I look forward to the day where I get to see my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ there in that city. I can't fathom what it looks like. If you want to read about it, you can go look, go look at Revelation 21-22 and it will blow your mind to see the very fact that God Himself shall be there. No need of the sun, the moon, the stars. No need of the sea. We have Christ. He is the light of the city thereof, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Do you know Christ? If you have not ever repented of your sins and trusted Jesus alone for your salvation, you are still yet in your sins. You must be born again, is what Jesus says. Jesus wasn't some uh, mamby-pansy preacher. No, He preached the truth of the Gospel. And the Gospel was this, that sin is very real, and sin leads to a separation from God. Sin leads to eternal punishment, a real, very literal hell. But to believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, His atoning sacrifice for our sins, that He rose again to conquer hell, death, and the grave for us, that when we put our trust in His work alone, in His person alone, that there is forgiveness and salvation, that we have a place, a very real place, that will be an eternal home, an eternal heaven, an eternal day with Him forevermore. So the context of this is a beautiful thing. That we must follow by faith our changeless Christ through changes, tribulations, persecutions until we by His unchanging grace leads us home to be with Him. A.W. Tozer writes, All that God is, He has always been. And all that He has been and is, He will ever be. Spurgeon writes, God writes with a pen that never blots, speaks with a tongue that never slips, and acts with a hand that never fails. God is not like us. God alone is God alone. We serve the changeless Christ. And as we press on by faith in this ever-changing world, we must look, trust, and praise God for the changeless Christ. Yesterday, today, and forevermore, Jesus Christ is the prophet, priest, and king for us. That's the introduction. We've got the message to go. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is confidence in this. There is hope in this. Because if Jesus were to change, He would not be God. And if He was not God, I could not be saved. And if I can't be saved, then I've got no hope. The very fact that Jesus Christ does not change means this, that He will never fail. Has Jesus ever failed you? I would dare anyone today. Has Jesus failed you? If He has, please let, us, let the rest of us know. But no, He has not. Never could He, never will He, because it would go against His very nature, His very person. It is not who He is, but it is oftentimes who we are in the flesh. We fail, we change, we go wayward, we are prone to wander, as has just been sung. We've got so many things because we are in this mortal flesh, but one day we will take off this mortal flesh and put on immortality. One day this corruptible will put on incorruption only in Christ Jesus. But today what I want us to see is that yesterday, today, and forevermore, He remains the changeless prophet. Yesterday, He is the prophet of God, the greater prophet of God, to reveal God to us. Without Christ, you cannot know God. You cannot know heaven as your home. It is only through Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, when we think about prophets, we often think about fortune tellers back from the early 2000s, late 90s that had those shows and, and little commercials, or, and they would put their little uh, ha- uh, hats on and have their little cards. Now, that's not a prophet, all right? That's someone who, who stole your money, okay? I'm sorry. When we think about prophets, we often think of that as just someone who can foretell the future, but that is just a small part of what being a prophet meant. The prophets of the Old Testament, yes, they did tell about some things to come, but the vast majority of their life and ministry was to preach, thus saith the Lord. It was often a ministry that was less talking about what God was going to do in the future, about some crazy uh, thousands of years for fulfillment, but rather more so of, you have sinned against the God uh, of heaven, you have sinned against the living God, the true God, the God of the covenant, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Repent. That's always been the message. Jesus didn't change that either and didn't say, well, that was then, this is now, this is different. Change happens, but the message has remained the same. The prophet is not only called by God to foretell the future, but the primary role is to say what God is doing now and what He will do if there is not repentance and faith trusted in Him again. Now, Jesus is the changeless prophet. He is the revealer of thus saith the Lord, and He has all authority given to Him because He is the Lord. 
the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. He is the one sent by God, the Son of God, who came to speak. Matter of fact, Jesus said in His earthly ministry that He came not to do His own will, but to do the will of the one who sent Him. He had surrendered and submitted to uh, the will of the Father through the work of the Spirit to preach the Gospel, to come and to preach Himself. Jesus is not just the prophet, but He is the message. Jesus is not just the one preaching, but He's preaching Himself, and nobody is a better preacher than Christ. No one preaches the Word of God better than the Word of God. And He is the Word of God. John chapter 1. Jesus is the eternal revealer of God who is a greater prophet than anyone yesterday, today, and forever. Turn with me briefly to Luke chapter number 1. If you don't turn, that's fine. I'm going to do it quickly anyways, right? I've got, I don't know how long I've got. I'm just going to preach. Luke chapter 1 verse 67 tells us this. Zacharias, it says, and his father, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord, prepares ways to give knowledge of salvation unto His people for the remission of sins through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong, and the spirit was in the deserts till the day of showing unto Israel. Who is this? He's prophesying that there's coming one to preach Christ, and Christ now has come into the scene. Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus, and now what do we got? Jesus begins as we find him and later on in chapter 2 there in the temple he's preaching and he's teaching he's just a young boy never taught and he astounds the prophets astounds the scribes why because he's come to preach he is come because he is the very word of God according to John chapter 1 but when we get into chapter 4 look at what we find John the Baptist has his ministry going Jesus has now been baptized of uh, through John the Baptist there. He, he said, uh, uh, John the Baptist looks and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And the Lamb has come. And then in chapter 4, immediately after the baptism, he goes in the wilderness to be tempted. And then it says in verse 16 of Luke 4, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. This book is not a book of just do's and don'ts and moralistic, theistic teaching. This is a book that reveals Christ crucified, buried, and risen again from cover to cover. It preaches Christ because there is no other message, no other Messiah except for Jesus. And He, being the changeless prophet, has come to fulfill that Scripture to preach the good news to those who are the brokenhearted, to those who are the blind, to those who are the lame. That's you and I, by the way. That's who Jesus is. He has proclaimed and revealed God that He might redeem us and reconcile us to God. Jesus is the greatest prophet because the prophets preach Christ and because He is the divine revealer. Over in Hebrews, the very beginning of the book of Hebrews begins this way. Uh, Hebrews 1.1 God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath though in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, the greater prophet, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ is promised. As a matter of fact, from the very opening chapters, from the very first sin that enters into the world, that thrusts all of us into sin and all of us into death, all of us into separation from God, God says, 
there will come a seed. There will come a Messiah. And He will crush the head of that serpent. Jesus Christ is His name, and He has done so. And one day He shall come again, and He shall come with His people, and He shall set up His kingdom, and His kingdom shall have no end. And He shall take every enemy that has ever rejected Him, ever fought against Him, and they shall be destroyed. And the very enemy of death itself shall be destroyed forever and forever. In the Gospels, Jesus is presented there in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, He is presented. This is the promised one. This is the holy anointed one of God. In Acts and in the epistles, He is preached. He is preached and proclaimed and in Revelation, He is prophesied. He's coming again. Jesus Christ not only died and was buried and rose again, but He is coming again for His people. The word and work and will of God are changeless because Jesus the prophet is changeless. His message has never changed. His message is simple. Come unto me. Today, that call is for everyone who does not know Christ as Lord and Savior today. Come to Christ and live. Come with all of your baggage. Come with all of your sin because you can't carry it anyways and Jesus has already paid for it. Simply come to Christ by faith and be born again. How about to those of us who have been saved long time, a long time? We, we, we've been saved so long that we often forget the simple truth of the very heart of the gospel, and that is to come to Christ and live. You who are heavy-hearted, you who are wearied, you who are uh, burdened by this world, burdened by your own sinfulness, burdened by the problems and the changes of life, come to Christ and find rest. Every Christian and every church must hear, believe, and do what He has spoken. All of God... Is, is revealed in Jesus Christ. All the message of God, the hope of God, the confidence in God is found in Christ and Christ alone. He is the focus of the Scripture. He must be the focus of the church. He must be the focus of your individual life because you can come and get fed once a week, but if you do nothing else with Jesus the rest of the week, He will certainly not be the focus. He desires to be, and He's worthy enough to be. As we've sung this morning, do you believe what we've sung? We ought not sing anything that we don't believe, and I believe that Jesus Christ is worthy of all honor and glory and power. He is worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy not just when we're in church, but He's worthy when we're outside of these walls and especially outside of these walls. Jesus Christ, if He has saved you, then He has changed you and He has put a new song in your heart, a new desire in your heart. You are no longer who you used to be. But now, when the Lord sees you, He only sees the blood of Christ. He only sees the person and work of Jesus. It is as if not only that you had never sinned, but it is as if you had been the perfect one because His righteousness is now accounted to you. That is who Jesus is. That is what He has done. And that is the message. He remains this changeless prophet. This changeless Christ, this changeless one who has proclaimed himself to us because there is no other message worth proclaiming than Jesus. Thank God for 50 years of proclaiming Jesus in this community, and I look forward to the next 50 years of doing so. By God's grace, we have nothing else that we can do. We have no other hope that we can offer this community, not even our namesake. We could even take that off, by the way, and still proclaim Christ and be just as well off. All that matters and the only name that matters is the only name that can ever save, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the greater prophet because He never changes. And because He never changes, He never wavers, He never falters, neither should we. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is as well the changeless priest. The priest was in the Old Testament the mediator and acted on behalf of man, and tried to be this connection between God and man, but they were far from perfect. As a matter of fact, just to do the job and the role of priest was so incredibly specific, but even just their day-to-day -day things, they had to continuously go through ceremonial washings and cleansings, and if one were to ever step foot where they were not supposed to, or were to do so impurely, they would be immediately struck down. Well, we need a good striking down in church, don't we? <laughs> no, we're not quite looking for that, are we? We are looking for some holy fear of God. They knew who God was. They had seen God move. They knew God's word. They knew God's law. And they knew that there was a certain way to approach God. And the priest acted on behalf of the people to draw them to worship, to draw them to the word of God, to draw them to know God. But especially, the service of the priest was critical for once a year we had the Day of Atonement. And on that day of atonement, the high priest would have to go in and would have to go through the ceremony year after year after year after year. The amount of blood of bulls and goats and rams and sheep that were shed to, to cover sins 
year after year. It is unthinkable. Thank God that the precious blood of the Lamb of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, is sufficient and full and final and complete. The priest and his work was never truly over. Though he might be done for a day, the next morning he's got to wake up, change his clothes, dip himself in water again, and go back to work. But Jesus Christ, His work is complete. He has brought us now as the priest to reconcile us to God. Jesus is that eternal reconciler between God and man. He acts as a great high priest as we see all throughout Hebrews. Hebrews 1.3 tells us, that by the word of His power, when He had Himself purged our sins, He Himself had done so. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The priest did not get to sit, for His work was never complete. You only get to sit down when the work is done. Praise the Lord that Christ's sacrifice is complete, full and final. Jesus was not only and is only our great high priest, but... He, Even far beyond that, He is not just the priest that offers sacrifice. He is the very sacrifice itself. What the Old Testament priest could never do was find something pure enough and good enough to satisfy for all time. It had to be Christ. It had to be the promised One of God. He alone could do so. Are you trusting in Him? We can never trust in works or church membership. We can never trust in how long we've been in a church. We can never trust in our works. They are all as filthy rags. We must trust in the work of our great high priest to bring us to God. An earthly priest could never satisfy. An earthly church or an earthly ministry, an earthly work could never satisfy. Only Christ alone. He is Himself. Not just the One who seeks atonement, but He is the atonement. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us this. I'll go to several places to show us His priestliness. He is our great, changeless priest. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us in verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why can we approach God? Because Jesus allows us to approach God because His blood has been shed and He is now our reconciler, our mediator between God and man. He is now our great high priest for us. How about chapter 7? Verse 22 tells us this. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he, is also, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing that He ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Who needeth not daily as those high priests who offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, then for the people's For this He did once when He offered up Himself. How about chapter 9? Chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not being made with hands, that is to say of this building, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having uh, obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Further on in this chapter we see that it is, uh, moreover, He sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels in the ministry. Verse 21, And almost all things are by the law purged of blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Verse 24, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into the heavens itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, 
hath He appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Jesus is our changeless great High Priest who is not only there on our behalf, but He is the very sacrifice itself and His blood is sufficient. His priestly work is sufficient. As we're going to see then, not only is He the changeless prophet and the changeless priest who reveals and who reconciles, but He is the changeless King. He reigns. And He shall continue to reign forevermore. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there is none that could ever challenge His throne, ever challenge His rule. And all those who do shall perish. Christ is King. There is no vote. There is no church business meeting. Christ alone is King and Lord. All authority, power, and judgment belong to Him. They have been placed into His hand by the Father. The King is to operate, an earthly King, to operate by God's law, by God's rule, by God's authority. They're to do the will of God on this earth. However, we have kings and queens and presidents and congress and all sorts of other governments and things throughout the world who simply do not. Sadly, we've even got churches who do not. Yet Christ remains the perfect King because He rules perfectly, purely, righteously because He is holy, holy, holy. He will never do anything contrary to His nature. He will never do anything that is wicked or wrong or vile. He will never act out of some sort of emotional temper tantrum because that's not who God is. God is not the man upstairs waiting to play whack-a-mole. He is a good and just and gracious King. Do you know Him? Hebrews 1 tells us this. In verse number 3, it ends that he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being much, excuse me, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Not the angels, none others in heaven, only Christ. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they shall, uh, uh, they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. Christ does not change. Culture changes. And by the way, the culture and the world is changing and it's not for the better. Rapidly deteriorating because of the sin curse and moving quickly, quickly to a place of reprobation. The church of God, unfortunately, has changed. Some for the good, some for the better, but nevertheless, change is a normal, natural thing that happens to us in this world. The good and the bad. And in 50 years, there's some of you who have seen so much change, you, you could, I mean, you got quarters worth of change, you got a pocket full of change, you got so much change, you go, well, this isn't the church that I grew up with, this is, it looks different, it is different, he's different, look at him, he don't even wear a suit coat. <laughs> church has changed, but Christ hasn't. Church has hurt people. Church people have hurt people. Not Christ. Christians have hurt other Christians. Not Christ. Christ loves with a, a love that is unimaginable and indescribable. A love for His people. A love and a desire to see that His people would know Him and would be used of Him to be His hands and to be His feet. That He would have a pure church, a righteous church, a unified church, a church that makes Christ preeminent in all things, a church that is able to lay aside their own personal preferences and ideologies and thoughts and opinions and feelings and emotions to simply preach and believe and trust and proclaim Christ, Christ alone. 
Jesus remains the unchanging sovereign King from creation to the cross and to the soon consummation day. He is King. This is His church. It shall always be His church. It will never be Pastor Joe's or former Pastor anybody's, nor Deacon anybody's, nor anybody else's in this place you could ever think of. It's Christ. Therefore, we should live and act as such. Live and act accordingly. There is nothing and no one that will ever challenge His rule. And Revelation tells us this. Revelation 5, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, all that are in them, heard us saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. That's who Christ is. Today as we bring this to a close, our daily, our direction, our dedicated, faithful focus must be, not just as Christians, but as a church, it must be upon the changeless Christ. I'm no fool all the time. I know that there's still a great deal of folks who have a lot of hurts. Some people still in mourning. But as you stood earlier, I hope that you would continue to still say that you'll stand not just at Victory Way and for Victory Way, but even more so for Christ. That we would choose to stand when others have walked. That we would choose to stand when others have said enough. When others have chosen, as Hebrews warned against, to neglect so great a salvation. Heard this week a phrase that I hadn't heard in quite some time. Unfortunately, many of us have forgotten the wonder of it all. The very fact that we are saved. The very fact that we are secure in Christ. And the very fact that we can gather and be His church. Though church changed, though the culture has changed, those we have changed and church people have changed. Much of it not for the better. Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus remains the perfect and greater prophet, priest, and king yesterday, today, forever. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever will be. Great is Thy faithfulness, Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All have I needed. Thy hand hath provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. In 50 years, Victory Way has seen its shares of frailties and failures. and It has seen a great deal of faithfulness. But in all of it, throughout all the change, Christ remains the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. May God by His grace over the next 50 years for us through change and trials remain the same to preach Christ and Him crucified and risen again and coming again. Though this world will come, though people may come and go, and though there be difficulties and trials ahead, we can trust in the changeless Christ. Though change is a part of our life, we serve the changeless Christ who promises to build His church, and He will and is, until He calls His church home to Himself. May we learn from our past. May we honor it. May we live in our present and long for our future with our faithful, changeless Christ all to His glory and to His name forevermore. Would you stand with me this morning? Before the piano even plays and as the piano comes to get played, this altar's open. First of all, if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, would you come?
you don't know that heaven's your home, if you don't know this Jesus that we've spoken of, that we've 